emergency. It's not supposed to be one of these things where like, oh, you know, I got a little drunk last night and I, you know, I, I forgot to, you know, I didn't do that. And uh, now I got to do that. That's, that's not what it's meant to do. And because it has happened so many times that way and because they have turned this into a healthcare thing like women go to Planned Parenthood to get their, uh, get their sprained ankle wrapped, uh, it has become a thing. So they, they, they've made out like this is women's health rights. Except, you know, I've had open heart surgery. Open heart surgery is a emergency procedure. <laughs> now, I, you know, a lot of people have uh, high cholesterol and they've got a few other things going on that, you know, it looks to be one of these things. But very rarely do people elect to have open heart surgery. Maybe, like in my father's case, for example, they saw it coming. He had a couple of things happen to him one day, and he went to the doctor, and they said, we got to do this. So he didn't have a heart attack before he had his bypass. But some of us, like me, that try to fly the bus into the ground, uh, we have a full-blown heart attack and just do everything we possibly can to kill ourselves. So at that point, that's when the open-heart surgery becomes a, you know, it's a requirement at that point. They're also saying that Republicans will do anything to ban books, even saying they cause porn addiction. Well, the thing about that is what Republicans are trying to do is they're trying to see to it that your children don't get it, you know. Children can't make a lot of decisions on their own by design. By design. Uh, they don't have the experience. They don't have the maturity. They don't have the education. They will acquire this. And in time, if things go well, what we hope will happen is they'll grow to adulthood, they'll grow to their majority, and then they can go out and do whatever they want as often as they want with whomever they want. And that's perfectly okay with me. However, when my children, or if I still had children that I had to worry about this with, my, my youngest is 33, when children are out there and, uh, you know, it's up to the parents to make a decision as to when they're going to expose them to certain things. And that's a parent's call. And it has nothing to do with education. The education system has nothing to do with that. That is a parental right. Most of all the talking points coming from the left is leftist hysteria. I find it especially intriguing about uh, the, the border with Texas. See, right now, when I was talking about how the Democrats are the ones busting the norms, there's been a lot of calls from some of the Democratic rank and file, the the ones that don't really have to make a decision, the ones that serve in Congress. You know, they can. The thing about being a congressman is you can make all kinds of noise, and you don't have to ever worry really about most of the stuff you say actually being acted upon, because they don't really pass that many laws, they don't really write that many bills. For, for to have 435 members, they don't really do very much, but like Castro in Texas and a few others in Texas, and uh, they're calling for Biden to federalize the Texas National Guard. The last time a president tried to nationalize the Texas, or the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the National Guard, um, and it was turned down, was George W. Bush with then Governor Blanco of Louisiana. He wanted to federalize them during Hurricane Katrina, and she said no. It is such a rare, as a matter of fact, I don't know if we call it rare, it's never happened. It is so rare for them to be able to federalize the National Guard without the governor's approval that I could not find an example of that happening. So, were Biden to get out there and bust that norm, 
And, you know, I, I actually have to give credit here. I, I've got to give credit to a certain thing. The reason I think that we are so aware of things now is that the Republican Party is so hapless and does nothing about it to where we sit back and we're just watching going, okay, surely you're going to do something with that, right? And over the course of time, it has become trendy to watch these hapless Republicans sit back and be just absolutely incompetent. So to that end, thanks, Republicans. At least you were good for one thing. Uh, we're aware of your shortcomings. If we were to uh, get out there and uh, <laughs> see him try to nationalize or federalize the National Guard of Texas in order to keep them from doing what Abbott wants them to do, that'd be the first time that it happened in recent memory or in any memory. I couldn't find any examples of that actually happening against the approval of the, without the approval of the governor of the state. So Republicans, what do Republicans seek limits? Everything should have limits, right? That's what they tell us all the time with the with the left. They always tell us that the bill, you know, the Constitution. There's there's no right that is unlimited, right? And we we seek limits, right? Like first trimester abortions and uh, not exposing children to pornography. This is not banning anything. This is coming from the party that wants to ban gas stoves and cars and guns and cows and your plants indoors. They also are saying that Republicans are trying to ban transgender surgery. That is not true either. <laughs> uh, that's not true either. The, the Republicans simply want them to prevent children from having that. I mean, I can't take a child to a tattoo place and get some ink on them before they turn 18 or 21 or whatever the age is. But they, they want to make it okay for, general, uh, for children to have everything about them that, you know, physically shows what gender they are, what sex they are, and have it cut off. In every other medical decision, they are prevented from doing it. But the Democrats and every journalist out there seems to believe it's okay to make this massive life-altering decision at a young age. And, uh, you know, for me and you, this seems preposterous. I would... Uh, I would also have to guess it's probably preposterous to the majority of Americans in the United States today. Very few things have an outright ban in America, but we live with a huge number of limits. Marriage is not banned, but it is limited to people 16 or 18, depending on what the majority age is. Driving is not banned, but it is limited to people over the age of 16 who passed a driver's exam. Voting is not banned, but supposed to be limited to people who are over 18, live in certain jurisdictions, who are U.S. citizens, and who are alive. X-rated movies are not banned, but limited to people above a certain age. Liquor is not banned, but you got to be a certain age to buy it. Cigarettes not banned, but you got to be a certain age to buy them. So, a lot of medication is banned, not banned, but is limited to people over a certain age. So, they're the ones trying to ban stuff. And, of course, they're going to say that we're trying to ban stuff because that's what they do. They're big projectors. They're big film projectors. They, they're looking at whatever they're doing, and they play it right through this, you know, it's not even a lens. It's a, just a piece of glass. And they, they take what they're doing, and they color it a different color, and then they stick it on the screen on top of us and say, this is what we're doing. The Constitution does ban a bunch of things that a huge majority of Democrats seem to uh, ignore. Courts are banned from making laws and changing the Constitution. Roe v. Wade did not create a constitutional right of law. 
The executive branch doesn't have the right to spend money, impose taxes, and make laws without going through the legislative branch, and they ignore that all the time. So, it is really a big disservice to get out there and, uh, you know, with... And, you know, the media, you guys are just a bunch of campaign workers for the Democrats, so just shut up. We've heard you, too. But I, I am I am very grateful to the Republicans for being so hapless, because at least we're paying attention now a little more than we used to. There's a new study that's come out about the whole green climate change nonsensical... I can't say it. It's an, it, also its own expose. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I so love it when, see, the, the thing about climate science is it's also based, like the Democrat talking points, on lies and and a whole lot of misinformation. So that's very hard to keep up with, and occasionally they slip. That's the funny part. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. We are streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, X page, Instagram page, Rumble page. I didn't even know. Until recently, we had a rumble page. Everybody told me, it's so hard, Bill, it's so hard. So I just didn't think we had one. Climate science goes beyond the traditional bounds of science. It goes beyond the limits, you know, built on facts and logic and is driven by emotion instead, amounting to essentially a cult masquerading as a scientific discipline. The more climate studies depart from traditional science foundations, the efforts seem so much more bizarre as they try to taint the objective determination. And uh, see, science is not about morals, right? It, it has Science has no morals. It has no moral compass. It's like guns. It simply is a fact. No emotion involved. A recent example displayed uh, by a climate ecologist who has undertaken to solve humanity's most ancient moral challenges through globally orchestrated renewable energy and wealth redistribution. So, <laughs> uh, see, if you take my money, that will change the weather. Um. See, these climate scientists are promising to rework all human social relations to reverse the existence of carbon dioxide, which this seems like sorcery, sorcery to me, sorcery, alchemy. How does one impact the other? They want to employ climate modeling to reallocate wealth and solve the moral conundrum of human inequality. Now, see, I could see how that could work because climate modeling is already a fantasy anyway. So we can just throw all of this other nonsense into it and just have a nice little uh, minutia casserole that we can just you know dole out to everybody. They claim that this is paradigm shifting. It's a plan for environmental redistribution, eco-socialism. Let me let me serve you a word salad coming from one of these yahoos. This is uh, William Ripple. We aim to bend the curves on a wide range of planetary vital signs with a holistic vision for addressing climate change, biodiversity loss, and socioeconomic injustice. Our work presents a case for how humanity can embark on the journey of saving the world from these environmental and social crises. That makes as much sense as if I get up here and go, big words, 
ostentatious vernacular, bigger words, blah, 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 making, you know, it's just noise. It's, it's not even science fiction. It, it is fantasy, but it's not science fiction. He has left the science class and he's now, he's now a Monsignor and, and the climate chapel. And he did not propound a new currency or tra tax structure or motivation for humanity to give up personal property. But, you know, don't, don't kid yourself. That will infuse his pseudo-scientific sequel. And there's other voices that are joining him. We get this from, uh, da, 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 da. there's this study that I don't know who put it out there. It says, we call for the development of a new restorative pathway scenario. <laughs> Doesn't that just sound impressive? A new restorative pathway scenario. They would go further for sustainability and equity than the current SSP1 whatever that is. The scenario would also focus on reducing the consumption of primary resources to keep environmental pressures within planetary boundaries. The restorative pathway would represent a more equitable and resilient world with a focus on nature preservation with vast reserves as a natural climate solution. Post-growth economics, societal well-being, and quality of life. Equality and high levels of education for girls and women resulting in low fertility rates with higher standards of living, more efficient crop fertilizer use, a diet shift with major reductions in meat production, and a rapid transition towards renewable energy. So, in other words, what we're going to do is we're going to talk girls into not procreating anymore. Or maybe we'll just have abortion all the time. Every time somebody has, every time a woman enjoys relations, she'll just have an abortion, just in case. And then that way, Gaia will not have sustained so many of us of us uh, annoying carbon footprints that we are, and uh, we'll, we'll get further and closer to all of this nonsense. An equitable and resilient world with a focus on I. What are these guys going to do when the moon starts getting close, or when we, we we look up one day and there's like this dot, and the next day it's bigger, and the next day it's bigger? What are they going to do then when we're facing some sort of uh, you know? We, the earth is not sitting out here like in this vacuum with nothing around it. There's all kinds of things happening out here. Existing is dangerous. What are they going to do when the, uh, hmm, when one of those coronal ejection things that comes off of the sun that bombards us with, uh, you know, EMP plus, what are they going to do when that happens? How, what, what's going to be the equitable pathway to rest restoration that way, boys? I can just see me now standing on the hill bent over because I, you know, my bones are breaking down because I don't eat protein anymore. But I do have my client, my, my butter churn. But I, alas, I have no milk because all the cows are done. They're done. You know, they're dead. And I'll be still sitting there going, wow, I remember when I lived indoors. I'll rem I remember when I could flip a switch and there would be light. I can remember when my bones didn't break. They would just crack if I made a fist, but, you know, they didn't break. But then there's eco-socialism, which is, you know, this is where the governments have failed to provide equity, a perfect society, and an end to all evil thought. They're to be replaced by globalist power, which will now cure all the problems in toto. <laughs> and uh, let's see. They announced the Biden administration. Well, let's go to the phones real quick. Let's go to Jr. from Westminster. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Big Bill, I tell you, I appreciate what you're doing, my friend. Yes, sir. Uh, just two two quick points for yes, you, for your listeners. Okay. There was a, a Christian writer by the name of G.K. 
Chesterton, and people can look him up, G.K. Chesterton. He was from the U.K., and he wrote a nation that wants to, and I paraphrase, a nation that wants to abolish God, the God, the Judeo-Christian God, desires to become God. A nation that wants to abolish God desires to become God. And so that's to your point that these people not only want control, they think they know everything that's good for you. And so in turn, they want to control everything you say and do. And my last point is simply this. The uh, French atheist philosopher Voltaire said that if you can convince people to believe absurdities, then you can persuade them to commit atrocities. So, you know, it sounds more like stuff. Nostradamus and the way that things <laughs> yeah, work that, out. That, but that it, was, yeah, I, I've that, seen that, that from that, Voltaire. That Vol- yeah, that was Voltaire. But now here's the thing. So Bernie Sanders, as, as an African, a conservative Christian African-American. So Bernie Sanders tells me uh, and Joe Biden that because of the color of my skin, that I am more susceptible to the adverse effects. First of all, there's no of, of climate change. <laughs> so I mean, so oh, I, I, it's it's nuts. It's so climate, so adverse weather and everything else. The coronavirus, everything is going to bypass you. It's going to go. Uh, it's going to just swoop around you. And because of the color of my skin, I am at higher risk because. So it's idiocy. It's yeah, it, idiocy. it is. And for so those want to become, yeah, for those listening, got a reason. Yeah. Jr. said what he said, identifying himself. That's how we find each other. If we're in the bar, and I'm looking for him, he's looking for me. <laughs> we, we use that. We 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 get we get into the details of the descriptor so they can find us quicker because we don't want to be looking around too much. We want to sit down and just, just enjoy <laughs> ourselves. Jr. Thank you very much for the phone call, sir, and you have a very good weekend. Coming up next is going to be Michael Letts from InvestUSA.org. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. All right, before we go any further, this is one of those bumps that you could ignore. From 10 to 12, Maestro, okay? You, you, you in with me on that one? What, you don't like that one? Nah, you know, I want something to get my blood going. That just Drop makes Get Murphy's. That, well, that, but that's, you know, I, I, I need my, <laughs> I, I, I want to get out there and I want to feel my veins pounding. I want you to be able to see my forehead through uh, the, oh, you through want the string. You want something heavy. Heavy. I want to, you know, just get, make me pound on it, you know. All right, hold up. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Joined now by Michael Letts from investusa.org. How are you doing today, sir? Always a privilege, Bill. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm finding it hard to believe, but, you know, I've been told by Mitch McConnell that the biggest thing facing America that we're most interested <laughs> in is funding Ukraine. And it's beginning to turn out and look like it might be illegal immigration. Can it be? I think it can be. I think Mitch got this one wrong. Of course, I'm not surprised he's gotten about everyone wrong in the past. 
I think what's most frustrating is since you brought his name up and since the fact that the Biden administration is saying, hey, look, it's Republicans, including Trump, that are blocking the border solution that the Senate and the House are putting together a proposal and Trump's telling them not to take it. First of all, it's not just Trump. It's the majority of the House Republicans that are not going to take it. Second of all, you need to understand the reason behind the rhetoric. We are sick and tired of the American people of being forced to take a Band-Aid compromise that doesn't do anything to address the issue so that they can crow and say that they got credit for doing something when they actually did nothing. That's what Mitch McConnell is proposing now. Uh, I'll give you a little something that really doesn't mean anything. You give me the money for Ukraine instead, and we can all walk away and say, look what we've done. We've solved the border problem. We've taken care of Ukraine. The fact of matter is both of those would be lies. Well, you know, um, I've been looking around, and I've been seeing some of these fringe Democrats who are just so outrageous that even the Pelosi's of the world sort of ignore them. And like Castro out of Texas is saying, you should seize control and federalize the National Guard. Uh, And this is because it's Texas and they're actually defending their own border. Um, First things first, I could not find a a point where the National Guard has ever been nationalized without the permission of the governor. Do you know of one? Is is that a fact? Yeah. So, so, um, and the, the National Guard, they work first for the state, and then they can be pressed into service by uh, by the feds if they're doing something that takes longer than a, a typical fed deployment is a year, whereas with the state it's uh, 90 days. And the feds have to pay for all the bills, too. That's that's the difference between federalizing and just leaving them to be. That's, that's great. And the other thing I would like to point out to your listeners is, you know, regardless of who the president is, you can't just suddenly decide to – federalize a National Guard troop because your grass is looking overgrown. You want to come over your grass that afternoon. <laughs> there has to be a compelling national security reason, i.e. World War II. We just got blown up in Pearl Harbor. We need everybody all hands on deck. Congress understands that. The American public understands that. Go for it. Let's federalize. But to just say, hey, I want to federalize a National Guard, you remember you have to do that with each state, okay? So I'm going to federalize Texas because – for what reason? I haven't heard that yet. What is the national security crisis? And then I want to turn them around at 180 degrees, and instead of defending the border, their job is to keep the border open. That just is not going to fly mustard. What kind of an it's optic is that? Do How do you sell that? Horrible. I mean, I, I would love to – I almost just for the sake of the campaign, I would love to see them try. I'm sure it would get fought. And and they would right. win. They would win because they can't. They they do have a right to self defense. The other problem is I I think there's like 24 states that are laying. We we That's stand with correct. Texas. So what are you going to do? Federalize all 24 guard units from each state because of the fact that you know. And here's what I'm encouraging. I think it's beginning to happen. I see that on the horizon. Bill, the governors now are being called upon to say, you know what, just declare a state emergency. And really, you have every basis. This invasion. Well, that's what New York did for for, for, uh, the SAFE Act. That's exactly what they did. Exactly. So just declare an emergency, which prioritizes the the Guard to stay in the state unless there is a national security compelling reason that they have to be federalized. And then he would have to federalize each unit that would respond to the state because I'm telling them if it's a state emergency, that means they need to send their Guard unit to Texas or to Nevada, wherever it is, where there's a border at. And let's seal these borders off. And there's no way he can justify 
federalizing every guard unit that picked up the place of the one that just got taken. Sure. That won't work. Let me ask you a question, because uh, I don't know the answer to this. So all of these federal military reservations that are throughout the, throughout the states, like if one right. fell in, if one falls in South Carolina, and all of a sudden South Carolina's, uh, you know, in some embroiled in something like this, and they decided they were going to go full on totalitarian, do we have to sit back and go, well, we can't go invade Fort Jackson because you know that's a federal reservation, or can you know, are they, do the governors have any actual hold on these various posts throughout the United States? in their state well i don't know the answer to that well, from what i'm understanding you're saying is the federal installations the governors have no hold on okay uh the problem is and of course this now we're doing back with the civil war days uh if you have a federal installation and we have decided that you're not going to federalize our troops and we're going to use them instead for our own defense um feds don't have to go along with that but we did it before south carolina did it before they said Fort Sumter should be uh, defending our uh, state instead of defending the federal, uh, the Union. So we fired upon it, took it over, and the whole Civil War started. That whole that whole military practical matter of where you're at when things start getting hot, that just gets in the way, doesn't it? It does kind of get in the way a little bit. <laughs> so I guess we're, we're going to see, although the, the optics for this, I mean, I, you know, on the one hand, I'm sort of thinking, I really wish you'd make a little noise about this just so you can get shot down. But, I mean, this would be, this has got to be an eye-opener for some people. Do you think anybody, on, especially in these blue cities, would be like, please, please stop sending these illegal immigrants here. We can't take any more. Do you think they're sitting there going, yeah, keep that razor wire up, boys. Stop, stop that flow. Uh, do you think no. the rest, you don't think so? Well, what I see happening is, uh, I mean, making sure I'm understanding what you're saying, Bill, is that I think you're right. These blue states are being to say, look, we don't want any more. This is a bad situation because if you say the states can't defend themselves, then that means the cities can't defend themselves. Right. So, you know, this is the wrong logic to be headed down. They don't want to come out and support Biden. I think Biden knows that he has put himself between a rock and a hard place. He's not yeah. trying to get out of. It. He's on. He's on that weak limb now. He's he's the heavy leopard well, on the weak limb. He's the old leopard. I shouldn't say limb. he doesn't know how to get out of. We need to be careful. And watch this. And so I want to make sure your listeners understand this, Bill. You know, he's looking to promote a war somewhere so that we can declare, if necessary, martial law. So ah, that we can suspend yeah. elections. Yeah. You know, okay. and maintain total control. The problem he has to understand. You can't just declare martial law because, gee, I don't like the way the sun rose this morning. Yeah. Again, you have to have bases, and That's, there is g- no base. Given given the way they've been doing things, getting out there and trying to declare martial law would be hilarious. I'm running out of town. Mm-hmm. It, I'm, run, I'm, run, I'm running out of town. I'm running out of time. <laughs> we would run him out of town. So Michael Letts, investusa.org, has given over 11,000 protective vests to law enforcement for free and their canine counterparts. Also find him at American Thinker. Thank you for joining me today, sir. Thank you, Bill. God bless. God bless America. Let's keep turning on the heat. Keep up the fight. When we get back, you know, Biden's been out there saying there's two Americas. I'm going to illustrate that for you. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Also, anything by Marilyn Manson, as long as he has on his makeup. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 
Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. On the text line, Bill, I'm old enough to remember when the federal government put up seven-foot-tall fencing and razor wire around the Capitol after the insurrection. Yeah, that was so long ago. Or, well, it doesn't seem like that because they keep trying to keep it front and center. For the last 30 years or so, the left have invented this game, this narrative, to get get you to believe that there's a group of super rich people, the one percenters, or the ones that give to Nikki Haley, and uh, they prospered over the past several decades and everybody else has gotten poorer. Now, never mind that, you know, you can't afford gas right now and everything else, which is, that is completely unforced error on you. But all of this is a fairy tale narrative because almost all Americans have seen financial progress. It is very hard to consider what we consider to the poor in the United States to be when they have a car, when they live in air conditioning, when they have a flat screen TV, and when they have a back tattoo. That is not poverty. Now, they may not have as many of those things as they may want. But that just is indicative of, uh, you know, unless, of course, you have a mental illness or you're a drug abuser. And then you gravitate towards the streets because it's no holds barred there. Prosperity is not a us versus them zero-sum game. The rising tide does raise all the boats. But there are two Americas today, and it exists in culture. First of all, we have the overeducated snobs, the kind of people who read the New York Times and drive electric vehicles and wear their Harvard sweater or their Yale tie. And then you have people who've, you know, they've never heard of NASCAR or eaten at Popeye's or written on a John Deere tractor. And then there's the normal Main Street America, which is most of us. The, the, you know, and the snobs thumb their collective notices at our unrefined working class-ness. They believe they're intellectually, culturally, and morally superior to the working class in rural America. And you won't see too many of the elites at a Trump rally with 30,000 people. This uh, group... Uh, the Committee to Unleash Prosperity just published a study entitled Them versus U.S., examining how America's cultural elites defined as at least one postgraduate degree, 150,000-plus, how they're hopelessly out of touch with ordinary Americans. And Scott Rasmussen did the research. Now, and, and this is the thing. This is the thing. What matters to them does not matter to us, right? What matters to us is... How are we going to pay for food? How are we going to pay the bills? How, you know, what kind of education are our children getting? What kind of world are we going to leave? For them, uh, they're worried about, uh, you know, why aren't we all driving electric cars? How come everybody's not embracing LGBTQ plus IA? Why are you flying? You don't need that air conditioner? Well, we do, but you don't. You know, most elites think that teachers unions and school administrators, they get control what your your, your your children being taught. You have no say. And what about the, uh, and three quarters of these cultural elites support Biden, which at that point, turn in your elitist card because you're not elite, you're an imbecile. The very things that you use and, 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 and utilize to get you where you are, you Vote against your own best interest by backing him. And there's this Grand Canyon-sized divide between us and them, and it's so profound it has it's like we live in two separate countries. 
Silicon Valley and Manhattan and Washington, they've become bubbles that have lost contact with everyday Americans. You could take a person from New York and take them to a gun shop in Arizona, and they would be in culture shock. They would. They, they would be looking at it. They'd be like, uh, so these guns, they're, they're for sale. Yes. Well, okay. Uh, uh, okay, listen. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm overwhelmed with this. Wow. I'm about to, I'm, I'm sweating. I can't. Listen, so what do I have to do to be able to get one of these guns? Well, you, you, you have some money? Well, yeah, yeah, I have a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, I got money. What else I got to do? Well, you, you have to pull it out of your pocket and pay it. That's it. That's all I got to do. Now, of course, there's more to it than that, but, you know, that's the kind of shock they go through. They, they come to free America, where we live, and they're astounded, right? They're astounded. But then they get out there and they're, they're fine with, you know, in, in the big city where they don't have any parking space, well, of course you want a small car. But out here where you've got all kinds of parking space and where you've got a lot of other things you got to carry as well, they're fine with abolishing SUVs. And they live with crime and illegal immigration and inflation and fentanyl and factory closings. They, 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 they think that's just the way it is. But it isn't. We're not losing sleep over climate change or LGBTQ. We just want to live. When we get back, they're beginning to uh, they're beginning to hit the silk on the Haley campaign. Everybody knows it except her. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D, the voice of the Carolinas. <laughs> 